This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's a Monday. It's a rainy Monday here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the first day of August 2022. I swear to God, this year is just flying. It's been so busy down here that uh, it, it seems like it was just yesterday that uh, we, st- we we moved in here in uh, December, and, and now it's already August. Um but a rainy day. We're going to do our best to stay on the air this morning. Being in the sticks like I am, we have uh, satellite internet, HughesNet. And look, I'm not trying to kill HughesNet. It's it's it gives me something I wouldn't have had ordinarily down here uh, because the only other option is Frontier, which is just hideous. Uh, but when it rains and, and you have satellite internet, it's the same thing as if you have Directv or or uh, Dish Network. Uh, bad weather can really affect you. It's slow to begin with, and then bad weather makes it worse. So we're going to do our best to stay on the air this morning. Hopefully uh, the rain won't be too heavy and it'll allow us to do that. Uh, lots to get to this morning. Uh, plenty of baseball yesterday. Uh, before we get to that, we have to uh, take a minute to remember um, a couple of giants that died, one in the sports world, one in the entertainment world. Um, Bill Russell passed away yesterday at the age of 88. Um, I never really got to see, I, I don't have any memory of watching Bill Russell play. He retired when I was, uh, eight years old and I, I don't think I really got into watching NBA basketball probably until I was 10 or 11. I was a baseball nut when I was a kid, but I don't remember watching a lot of basketball until I was 10 or 11 years old. Um, so I don't really remember him, uh, as a player. Um, I remember him as a coach. I remember him uh, doing television work. Uh, I remember the incredible laugh that he had. And, and I, you know, and, and with all the talk over the years, there's always talk about who's the greatest basketball player of, of all time. Is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? Is it Magic Johnson? Is it Larry Bird? Who is it? Um, and, and, you know, I obviously saw all those guys I just mentioned play their entire careers. Never saw Bill Russell play, but when you look at the record and what Bill Russell did as a player, um, it is hard to imagine anybody being a better player than Bill Russell. This is a guy who averaged, folks, averaged over 20 rebounds a game in his career. He only averaged only averaged about 18 points a game. He could have scored any time he wanted to, but he didn't feel that that was the best thing for his team. He was perhaps the best passing post player in the history of basketball. I, I watched a thing on YouTube 
the other day, and it was, I don't know, five minutes long, six minutes long, all highlights of Bill Russell playing and the block shots. And, and the block shots, and the thing I always loved about Russell is he was trying to block a shot. He was either trying to block it and get the ball himself or block it to a teammate to get the ball pushing the other way. Bill Russell always said the idea behind a block shot was to turn the other team over. These days, a lot of times, a block shot is uh, uh, for show, you know, a momentum thing. You know, like, hey, get that crap out of here, and, you know, you knock it into the fourth row, but the other team still keeps the basketball. Russell's idea was if I'm going to block a shot, I'm going to make sure my team gets the basketball. But when you look at these highlights, and you can look it up on YouTube, it's amazing. Not just the block shots, but the passes that he made for easy layups to his opponents. You know, he would get the ball, foul line extended sometimes, and just make these incredible passes to guys cutting to the basket for easy layups. And it was routine. John Havlicek made a comment after Russell retired. And, you know, Bill Russell is acknowledged as, as one of the greatest defensive players in the history of basketball. And John Havlicek said, we missed him more on offense than we did on defense because their offense ran through Bill Russell, his ability to pass. And he could score at will, but pre- preferred to pass the basketball to his teammates. Watch those highlights. They're unbelievable. But... Again, you come back to how can there be a better basketball player ever than Bill Russell? And by the way, when you watch these highlights, you know, people will say, well, you know, basketball was different then. Bull crap. Watch these highlights and you watch him play. He could play his style of basketball today would be just as dominant. He was six foot ten. It wasn't like he was some six foot three guy, you know, back in the Stone Ages when people weren't tall. He was six foot ten, and he was amazing. Watch these highlights. Not only watch the, the the ability that he has to pass the basketball, to rebound the basketball, to block shots. Watch the speed with which these teams play. People think, well, you know, it's the old days. It was plotting. These guys ran just as fast as the guys today. Well, maybe not just as fast because the guys are a little fast. But the game, it wasn't like the game was some, you know, some, uh, you know, play by numbers thing. This, these guys ran up and down the floor, and Russell was amazing. I'm telling you, watch it. But how can there be anybody debate that there was a better basketball player than Bill Russell when you average 18 points and over 20 rebounds a game for your career? They won 11 championships in 13 years. 11. Say what you want about Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Will Chamberlain, whoever. 11 championships in 13 years. And the greatest stat ever, 21 winner-go-home games. Be be it, you know, uh, Game 7 of the NBA Finals, uh, uh, the NCAA championships, he won two NCAA championships, by the way. Uh, the Olympics, 21 times in his career, he was in win, winner-take-all games. Winner-go-home. His record in those games, 21-0. You don't have to go anywhere else but right there. But not only was he perhaps the greatest basketball player ever, and in my mind he, he is, even though I never saw him play, but you just look at the numbers and you just it's hard to debate. I mean, back in 1980, he was 
uh, by sports sports writers said he was the greatest basketball player ever. Now I, I realize that was forty two years ago, and LeBron James and and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and et cetera et cetera have happened since then. Bill Russell's the best. Period. I don't care. Whatever. You, just look at the numbers. You know, it's like we want to debate uh, whether uh, Barry Bonds was better than Babe Ruth. Look at the numbers. You want to debate whether Aaron Judge is better than Babe Ruth. Look at the numbers. Look at what Babe Ruth did. And I'm, I'm not talking about being a two-way player. Look at how much, you know, the fact that these guys back then never struck out. The batting averages that Babe Ruth had. Not just the home runs. Everybody knows for the home runs. Take a look at the rest of Babe Ruth's numbers. Well, it's the same thing with Bill Russell. You take a look at the numbers, and it, it is hard to – I don't know how you can argue it. Perhaps more importantly than being a great basketball player, he was a great human. This is a guy that marched with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. This was a guy who uh, uh, marched in Mississippi when uh, Medgar Evers was, was killed. This is a guy that stood with Muhammad Ali when he refused to go to Vietnam. He helped start the NBA Players Association. This is a guy that learned from Jackie Robinson how to be gracious in the face of racism. Matter of fact, he ended up being a pallbearer in Jackie Robinson's funeral. Jackie Robinson looked up to Bill Russell. Go figure that. Go figure. But perhaps one of the greatest stories I ever heard. <laughs> it was in the Associated Press story this morning. This is great. His second year with the Celtics, 1958. He buys a house in Reading, Massachusetts. So he goes on a road trip, and he comes back, and his garbage cans are all turned over. his garbage everywhere. Same thing happens on his next road trip. Comes back, garbage everywhere. So he goes to the police in Reading, Massachusetts. And the police say, well, you know, it must be raccoons that are doing it. So Bill Russell then says, I would like to apply for a gun permit. That Bill Russell, this is great. Bill Russell says, after he applied for the gun permit with the uh, uh, Reading Police, he said, the raccoons heard about that. They never turned the trash cans over again. How great is that? And by the way, he never bought the gun. But how great is that? You know, this is a guy that could have yelled and screamed and, and caused a fuss and just just said, no, that's all right. You know what? I'm going to apply for a gun permit. Raccoon's my ass. 88 years old, life well lived, uh, greatest basketball player ever in my mind. Uh, you know, and didn't like to give autographs. Another thing in the Associated Press story was great. He did not like giving autographs. He didn't understand uh, the need for them. So if somebody would come up and ask for his autograph, he would he would uh, say to them instead. He said, "How about uh, how about why don't you why don't you sit down? You know, why don't you why don't you sit down with me? You know, here at dinner and uh, and, and let's talk about life." Most times, the autograph seekers would just go, away. "Now, now, I'll tell you what, I I would have sat down and talked to him for as long as he wanted." But, you know, a lot of people are just looking for autographs just to collect things. But Bill Russell didn't want to do that. He'd rather talk to you. And he had a lot of interest. He was a very interesting guy, very smart guy. So life well lived, 88 years old. So uh, 
Godspeed, Bill Russell. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you see that you th- see it and it kind of kicks you in the gut and you go, oh, you know, and, you, know, you get your sense of mortality because, you know, we're all getting older. Um, but not just that. It's like, you know, a true giant. You know, when the true giants go, it is really, really hard. Uh, the other person that passed away yesterday, and, and I'm not, uh, she was important in a different way, although similarly uh, with Bill Russell. Nichelle Nichols, uh, who played Uhura on Star Trek, died yesterday. She was 89. Another good run, by the way. I'll sign up for that right now. Um, but she changed the face of television. Do you realize after the first season on Star Trek, now it only ran, the original only ran for like three years. After the first season, she had a, a chance to go perform on Broadway, and so she was going to leave the show. None other than Martin Luther King Jr. talked her into staying on the show. He said, it's important that you're there. You're changing television. You're not on there uh, just as a black people. He says, you've, you've changed the face of television forever, but you've also changed the minds of people. So she stayed. And then, of course, went on to appear in like six movies, uh, Star Trek spinoff movies, and uh, ended up being a recruiter for NASA. One of the first women to go into space said that, uh, uh, that her inspiration was Nichelle Nichols. So, uh, so she passed away yesterday at the age of 89. So we lose two greats, uh, great, great basketball player. Uh, I don't want to say she was a great actress, but, you know, she's a good actress, but a pioneer in television. Had the first, the first uh, kiss between a black woman and a white man ever on television was between her and William Shatner. Whew, boy, what a groundbreaking moment that was. That, that, that shattered some lives. Boy, there were some people... Not happy about that one. But anyway, she passed away at the age of 89. So I just wanted to take a moment before we start uh, talking about sports to recognize uh, the passing of two very important people. Um, the uh, Before, again, one more thing before we get to baseball. Uh, Deshaun Watson's uh, disciplinary uh, case should be settled today or at least uh, the judge who is, be, is working as the arbiter uh, has said that she's ready to rule. Uh, the NFL is looking for an indefinite suspension of at least a year and a $5 million fine for Watson. The union, of course, doesn't want any punishment, but even they recognize there's going to be some kind of a suspension. But the goal for the Players Association is to have that suspension be such that he can play this year. Um, so I'm sure the Players Association would like to see it be like, you know, eight games. And that might be exactly what the judge will rule. The, the NFL wants a year. The Players Association wants nothing. You split it down the middle. You say eight games. Boom. And, you know, maybe there is some kind of fine, and, and we move on. You know, now Watson has not been charged criminally for anything. And, you know, you say what you want. And, and, and I always say where there's smoke, there's fire. But the police refuse to prosecute. Or bring charges uh, by these 24 women. Now he has settled 20 of the 24 civil lawsuits out, of, you know, out of court. But uh, there are some a couple that want to still take it to court. So we shall see uh, what happens. But he's going to get suspended. He should get suspended. Um, again, you know, nothing criminal happened. 
but we have seen cases where less there was less evidence uh, and guys have gotten suspended for games. So there's no doubt in my mind Watson probably gets eight games. We'll know for sure uh, today. And uh, then the Cleveland Browns. And, and look, it, Watson's been taking reps with the first team. You know, they are going under the assumption that he is going to be able to play. So he's taking first team reps. But they have Jacoby Brissett ready uh, to step in if he does get suspended, which, which I, I do expect. So we will find out more about that uh, today. All right, let's get to baseball from yesterday. And hallelujah, ladies and gentlemen, the Boston Red Sox win a game. How about that? <laughs> what an absolutely brutal month it was for the Boston Red Sox. 8-19 and 19 in the month of July. That's after having an unbelievable month of June that saw them be the number one wild card team uh, with like you know a, a big lead in the standings and you know trailing only the Yankees and everybody was like ah the Red Sox are going to be just fine and then the sky fell in. Yesterday was the first time a starting pitcher in the month of July picked up a victory. Red Sox starters in the month of July went 1-13 and with an ERA of 7.09. So say what you want about the injury to Devers, about the injury to Kike Hernandez or, you know, you know, whoever. The bottom line here is that this pitching staff has been hideous. Hideous. You know, Michael Walker getting hurt did not help. Rich Hill getting hurt did not help. No question. You know, when you're running out Josh Winkowski and Connor Siebold and Brian Bayo, you know, and, and some of these guys that, you know, should be in AAA, what do you expect, right? So, you know, now the, the, the offense did not help. The offense was not producing. There's no doubt about that. But this pitching staff has been gross. If they, if they hadn't won a game yesterday, they would have been just the second team since the 1996 Tigers to go an entire month without a starting pitcher having a win since 1901. Think about that. That's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. But they fortunately, they picked one up yesterday. Josh Winkowski uh, gets the win. The Red Sox had eight doubles in the game yesterday. Eight. They, you know what? They lead Major League Baseball in extra base hits. They're not hitting a lot of home runs, but they lead the league in doubles and in extra base hits, and yet here they are, a game under 500, and not able to you know uh, buy at the trade deadline. They are more likely going to be sellers at the deadline. Look, they're only three and a half games back. I get all that. The problem is, is that they've got – all these other teams, they have to leapfrog. It is not impossible. Not, it's not even close to impossible for the Red Sox to make the playoffs. I mean, you can make the case that they will still make the playoffs. Despite the fact that they are in last place right now in the American League East with three wild card teams, it is still possible for them to make the playoffs. And it's not that hard to see the path. Look, they're three and a half games back of Tampa. Tampa's not playing very good baseball right now. So they're three and a half back of Tampa. They're four back of Seattle for the second wild card. And they're only 
what, six back of Toronto in the number one wild card. Now, they have to leapfrog Baltimore. They're only a half a game behind Baltimore. They have to leapfrog the White Sox. They're only a game behind the White Sox. And they have to leapfrog Cleveland. They're only a game and a half behind Cleveland, or two games behind Cleveland. All those things can happen. You know, and you don't have to do, you know, what they did in June and win 20 games or 21 games. You put, you know, they've got to they've got to play better than 500 ball. They still have a chance to make the playoffs here. They've got a lot of games left against Tampa and Toronto. You know, they've got and Baltimore, they've got opportunities to get themselves in playoff position. Does that mean they should be buyers? No, I'm not saying that at all. And I fully expect they will be sellers. You know, look, they can still sell off. Like, for instance, if they decide they're going to trade J.D. Martinez, which is the big name everybody seems to think that's going to go, they can still win without J.D. Martinez. You know, I think that if if they trade Martinez, don't be surprised if Tristan Cassis is the next guy up from, from Pawtucket. Or Pawtucket, jeez, Worcester. Um you know, and you you plug him in, and then you have like Dahlback, or you know, you use a Dahlback, Franchi Cordero platoon at designated hitter, or something like that, um, and then and they put Cassis in at first base. Don't be shocked if that happens. Um, there's talk that they'll trade Christian Vasquez. I hope that doesn't happen because if they do trade Vasquez to me, then you're throwing in the towel because Kevin Pulecki cannot be your everyday catcher. Connor Wong, it cannot be your everyday catcher. So they, they don't really have another option at catcher right now. Ploiecki's fine for, you know, a guy that's going to catch once a week. But you don't want him in there every day. And Christian Vasquez, frankly, you know, is a guy that if you're Boston, you probably should be thinking about extending him. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. But this is a guy that, you know, with the, with the crappy catching there is in Major League Baseball right now, where, what are your options? It's not like they got a lot of depth in the system. So I fully expect that Martinez will be gone. They've said they're not going to trade Bogarts or Devers. Thank Jesus. And if J.D. Martinez gets traded, I will say this. He might be one of the best free agent signings that the Red Sox ever had. When they traded for him and they got him, they invested $110 million dollars. In J.D. Martinez, okay? Think about Now, hear me out. $110 million is a lot of money. And you say, well, how the hell is anybody worth that? For that $110 million so far, that he's given them a 284 batting average, 123 homers, 160 doubles, seven triples, 401, 401 runs batted in. He was an all-star four-time. He won two silver sluggers. He won a Hank Aaron Award, and he won a World Series for $110 bucks. Sounds like a pretty good investment to me. And not only that, he's been a great mentor to these young kids. And, you know, he made a comment. You know, he doesn't, And he doesn't want to go, by the way. He'd like to stay in Boston. But he made a comment the other day about, you know, he remembered being a young kid and not getting any help from anybody, um, you know, when he was struggling and, and trying to find his way in Major League Baseball. And he, he always determined that he wasn't going to be one of those guys. So he was going to help out the young kids whenever he can. So, and look, he's maniacal about his preparation and, and watching film and, and breaking down, you know, his swing and, and pitchers deliveries and pitches. And, uh, he's been great about imparting that kind of stuff into these younger kids. It's a guy you want to have around now. Were they going to resign him at the end of this year? Probably not. He's in, he's getting older, you know, he hasn't hit home runs a lot 
this year, but he's still hitting uh, close to, what, 290. But I don't think they were going to re-sign him anyway, so if you can get something for him, figuring that, well, we'll roll the dice, you know, and, and, and you know, maybe get a prospect or two for him. I, I don't have a problem with that. I hope they don't let Vasquez go, but that might happen too. It's all going to depend, you know, and – like these guys said, look, all we can do is control what we can control, which is, you know, trying to win games. And whatever they do, they're going to do. And perhaps the most important uh, start by any Red Sox pitcher will happen tonight because another guy that's been rumored to be going, and again, if he goes, they are throwing in the towel, is Nate Evaldi. He will start against the Houston Astros tonight. Game's on ESPN. If he pitches well, he's probably gone. If he struggles again, the return they may get for him might not be enough to convince them to move him. We'll see. Evaldi said he thinks he's got it. You know, he's feeling good. He's made three starts since coming back from the disabled list with that uh, that lower back injury. But he said he feels like he's finally found what he called the missing part. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, Rich Hill is going to come off the injured list, and he will start either Tuesday or Wednesday in Houston. He's another guy that could be on his way out, so he might not be starting for the Red Sox because Tuesday or Wednesday, the trade deadline is Tuesday. So uh, if he's starting on Tuesday, it means he's there for the rest of the year, and he, and he wants to be there. He's from Milton, Massachusetts. He still lives there. Uh, Rafi Devers is going to be activated on Tuesday as well, so the Red Sox are getting some pieces back which has to give you hope. Now, Trevor Story has been diagnosed with a, a hairline fracture in that uh, wrist. He got hit on the hand, but the wrist has a hairline fracture now. Uh, so he's going to be out for a couple of more weeks. Um, but, geez, since Christian Arroyo came back, a couple of games he's been back, he's tearing the cover off the ball. But they're close to getting, you know, a lot of their pieces back. Matt Barnes, who pitched pretty well in his rehab starts, may be activated this week as well. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but uh, everybody will be watching Nate Evaldi tonight, and I'll be surprised. I will be very surprised if J.D. Martinez is still in a Red Sox uniform on Wednesday. I'm not – look, if he, if he is and the Red Sox don't – if the Red Sox don't do anything, I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm really not because I don't think they have to, but I think if, they, if the return is right and it makes sense, then I'm okay with it, but they don't have to. 32 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Uh, one more note about the Red Sox Brewers series before uh, we move on. I, I was really uh, kind of fascinated to hear that the Brewers um, might or, or are listening to offers for their closer Josh Hader, that shocked me. Um, I'm not quite sure why you would do that. Now, other than the fact that maybe Hader has shown some chinks in the armor um, here in the month of July, but he was one of the most dominant closers uh, for the first three months of the season. But his ERA in July is somewhere around 10. But um, – I still, I mean, that's a very valuable guy, a left-hander that throws as hard as he does. Uh, I don't know how 
you really trade him. And and I have to think that if they even if they're going to entertain it, it, it would have to be a hell of a haul. Um, they're 12 games over, over 500. They only have a three-game lead over the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm not sure that you want to take that risk and and trade that arm away. If they do, you, that you know that he sure as hell not going to he sure as hell probably going to get out of the National League. They'll may, maybe they'll trade him to an American League team, but I was really surprised to hear that and I I'll actually be shocked uh, if that trade actually comes down. So uh, we'll see. But again, you know, with with the deadline tomorrow, uh rumors about uh, trading everybody but uh, me and, you know, my wife are are rampant. I mean, honest to God, you and you listen to these baseball writers, and they're all just trying to fill space, you know, fill fill time and, you know, uh, bits on the computer because that's what they do, and that's that's what our world has become. Everybody's got an opinion. So guys, like, make up these wild trade things. I, I, I have to laugh. Half the time you read stuff on, you know, you go to the Major League Baseball website, and, you know, it'll be stuff like, well, you know, here's here's six trades we think should happen but probably won't. Well, what the hell is that? What kind of – I mean, I, don't even waste your time reading that crap. You know, and then they'll say, well, these are the best trade – you know, these are the best candidates still available to trade. I, all right. You know, I mean, uh, how about if we just wait and see what happens? I mean, you know, I mean it's just uh, – it's unbelievable. All these guys are experts. Uh, Yankees win again. Or actually, no, the Yankees don't win again. What am I saying? Yankees lose again. Uh, and they've been doing plenty of losing – uh, in the month of July, they have struggled since the All Star break. Look, every, no, nobody's feeling sorry for the Yankees. They're they've been a 500 team essentially since the All Star break. Uh, they have 69 wins, folks. Those 69 wins are the most in Major League Baseball. And yet, after after losing to the Kansas City Royals yesterday, and despite winning the series from the Kansas City Royals. Yankee fans on social media yesterday are like, oh, man, you know, Brian Cashman better make a move. The Yankees better do something. We're in trouble. They have 69 wins and an 11-and-a-half game lead in the American League East. Calm down. And, by the way, you did make a move. You traded for Andrew Benintendi, and you're probably not done because Joey Gallo's probably leaving town. I don't know what you're going to get for maybe a bag of balls. Um, you know, but they've been they were rumored about trying to perhaps get uh, Luis Castillo, he ends up going to Seattle over the weekend. Um, you know, there's supposedly they want to pick up another arm, but everybody's panicking about the Yankees. If you're a Yankee fan, Jesus, calm down. 69 wins and an 11 and a half game lead. Calm down. They lose yesterday because Sal Perez hits a, a three run home run off of Clay Holmes in the ninth inning. Clay Holmes, who has been damn near, uh, unbeatable. Uh, he blew just his, uh, third save of the season. Uh, Clay Holmes has been uh, ridiculous. He has a 1.77 ERA. Uh, so you know, let's 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 relax. I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, you should be more worried, I guess, about the fact that Jordan Montgomery uh, did not pitch well again. He gave up uh, four runs, walked a couple of guys in four innings. I had to get him out of there, and a bullpen did a pretty good job of keeping him in the game until the ninth inning. You know, Zach Greinke was just so-so for Kansas City with the start, but Sal Perez who spent a lot of time uh, on the injured list, hits his 13th home run of the season, and the Kansas City Royals, uh, who don't win a lot of games, uh, but they win one yesterday. They beat the Yankees by a final of 8-6. to six. The Yankees now have a, uh, a series 
three-game series against the Seattle Mariners. And again, this is one of those cases where if you're a Red Sox fan, and I know you hate thinking about this, but if you're a Red Sox fan, you got to root for the Yankees the next three games. You need – look, nobody is catching the Yankees. We know that. So if you're a Red Sox fan, you need the Yankees to sweep the Seattle Mariners because that takes that could take one of those teams that you need to leapfrog you know, right back in your lap. So you need you need that to happen. So I personally will be looking for the Yankees to do the Red Sox a solid and take out the Seattle Mariners. Domingo Herman is going to get the start uh, in the opener for uh, the Yankees in that series, and uh, uh, Seattle has not named a start yet, I don't believe. But Luis Castillo is going to start in that series uh, for Seattle. So uh, hopefully the Yankees can do uh, the Red Sox and the other teams trying to chase down the Mariners a favor. The Blue Jays stay in the number one wild card position. They beat the Detroit Tigers yesterday 4-1. to Jose Barrios picks up his eighth win of the season. Uh, seven solid innings, just three hits and one run. Uh uh, Matt Chapman hit his 20th home run of the season. Uh, Vlad Jr. Uh, with a double in this one. Uh, Bo Bichette drove in uh, a couple of runs as well. And uh, Detroit keeps things rolling. They win by a final of 4-1. to one. Uh, And now the Blue Jays have a two-game series at Tampa. And again, this is a tough one. If, if you're Boston, you know, Toronto's in the number one wild card spot, but Tampa is really within reach. So maybe this is a case where, you know, you kind of got to hope that Toronto takes care of business, that they can take the Rays out. That brings the Rays closer to the Red Sox as well. The Cleveland Guardians helped them out yesterday because the uh, Guardians beat the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday 5-3. to three. Uh, Austin Hedges, uh, the big hit in that one, a two-run single in the fifth inning. And uh, Shane McClanahan, the all-star from the Tampa Bay Rays had his worst outing of the season, got roughed up four and a third inning, seven hits, five runs. He walked three guys. This is a guy that was leading the American League in ERA at 1.77 and uh, got shelled yesterday. Uh, but his ERA still only goes up to 2.07. Great job, though, by the, the Rays' bullpen after that. No surprise there, right? Uh, four and two-thirds innings allowed just two hits and uh, one walk, no runs, uh, to kind of keep him in the game. But... Uh, uh, they couldn't uh, do anything against that Cleveland bullpen. Uh, and uh, Emmanuel Classe picks up his 23rd save of the season, lowers his ERA to 1.25. And I'll tell you what, after watching him against the Red Sox, I don't know how the hell anybody hits him. Um, the Guardians now will get to play the Arizona Diamondbacks, a three-game series starting tonight uh, at home against the uh, Diamondbacks. Cal Quantrill is going to get the start. And it's going to be Drew Rasmussen and Kevin Gausman uh, Tuesday night in that two-game series between the Rays uh, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, the Guardians win, and the Minnesota Twins lose. The Minnesota Twins fall to the San Diego Padres 3-2. to two. So all of a sudden, Minnesota's lead in the AL Central is down to one game. Jurickson Profar, uh, the difference in this one, uh, he homered for his second straight game. It was his 11th of the season. Uh, he hit it off of Dylan Bundy. Uh, Profar is a guy that uh, there's been a lot of rumors that the Padres are big in maybe trying to get uh, Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals. I will be surprised 
if Juan Soto goes at the trade deadline. I think it's more if Juan Soto is going to get traded from Washington and 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 if he's not going to resign with Washington, maybe that's the right thing to do. Uh, but I think it's more likely he gets traded in the off season uh, when some bigger names can be involved because right now, Juan Soto is going to go to a team that's trying to get over the hump and get into the playoffs. They're not going to give you major league ready guys from their roster to get him uh, guys at least that would make sense. You know, you're not going to say, "Hey, give me the, you know, the your your 25th guy on your bench." You're going to want a guy that's, you know, an everyday player right now or a couple of them plus, you know, three or four big prospects for a Juan Soto. And you're not going to get that at the trade deadline from a team that's trying to contend. So, I you know, the Padres have pieces I think that the Nationals could use. But I think the pieces that they would want are ones that the Padres wouldn't give up now, but they might. They might in the offseason. So we'll see. But the Padres win yesterday. Sean Manaya, pretty good outing, six innings, just a couple of runs. Uh, and uh, Dylan Bundy uh, gave up three runs, four hits, and five innings. It wasn't an awful performance, but uh, he falls to six and five on the season. Uh, and the Padres, look, the Padres right now are just trying to hang in there. You know, they've... Uh, They've struggled a bit. They're playing 500 ball. They're 12 games behind the Dodgers. We know, again, just like the Yankees in the American League East, they aren't catching them. But if you're the Padres, the key now is staying in the wild card race. And right now they sit in the number two wild card slot, but they've got the St. Louis Cardinals and the Philadelphia Phillies breathing down their necks. Uh, they're trying to chase down Atlanta for the number one slot. That's probably not going to happen. But they've got a lot of competition uh, for that wild card spot. So, you know, do they need to make a move? I don't know that they need to. They've got Fernando Tatis getting ready to come back. Um, so, uh, you know, that's going to be a big, big addition for them. I think they have enough pitching to get it done. Uh, you know, adding Juan Soto, would it help? Of course. Well, you know, Jesus, of course. But uh, I just don't, I don't know that they absolutely need uh, to make a move. Uh, they have a five-game home series coming up with the Colorado Rockies, which could be, hey, look, there's a recipe right there to uh, to help you out in the standings. The Rockies are 11 games under 500, have lost seven of the last 10. Uh, Mike Clevenger is going to get the start Monday night uh, in the first game of that five-game series against Antonio Sensatella, uh, who has an ERA of almost five. And Sensatella had to leave his last start uh, with an injury, but uh, it looks like he's going to be all right uh, and will be able to start uh, tonight for the Colorado Rockies. It's 46 minutes past the hour. One more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. It's 48 minutes past the hour uh, here on a Monday night. Oh, I got a funny story. Um, so my, last night, my wife and I are having dinner. We're sitting out on the deck, and we look down, and my wife says, Hey, look. And I'm figuring she's going to like point out a deer or some, you know, some wildlife that's walking around the yard. No, no. Uh, one of our, ch one of our young chickens is like running around in our yard. It somehow got out of the enclosure that we have for our chickens and was running around. And this thing's only about seven, seven or eight weeks old. So it's still kind of little. And so we're, and it's starting to rain. And so my wife and I are running around the, uh, the garden last night and, and the chicken, when it got out, it was like, it was trying to get back in, but it couldn't get back in, you know, and it's like chirping and it's all, uh, distressed cause it can't get back in with its, with its sisters. Like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And, we, but then, you know, you go and you try to help the chicken get back in and it runs away from you. So we're running around like idiots for about 15 minutes, interrupting our dinner, 
trying to chase a chicken. I tell you what, uh, you know, it's it's uh, if you had told me that uh, you know just just five six years ago that uh, I'd <laughs> I'd have been running around chasing a chicken in my yard. I told you you're out of your mind, but <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, uh, back to baseball. The uh, Houston Astros beat the Seattle Mariners yesterday by a final of 3-2. to two. Of course, the Red Sox heading to play the Astros tonight. Uh, and this is one that you can lay squarely on the shoulders of Scott Service. Now, look, the, the Astros could have won the game, you know, in the 11th, but you're in the 10th inning. And the Houston Astros are up in the bottom of the 10th inning. And you have runners on first and third and one out. The only runner that makes any difference in this game, it's a tied game 2-2, right, in the bottom of the 10th. The only runner that makes any difference is the guy on third base. Jordan Alvarez is coming up. Jordan Alvarez, ladies and gentlemen, is having an MVP caliber season. And if not for what Aaron Judge was doing, Jordan Alvarez might be the leader in the clubhouse to be the MVP. Now, he has a higher batting average than Aaron Judge, but what Aaron Judge is doing you know, with the home runs and the runs batted in is just ridiculous. But Jordan Alvarez still has 30 home runs this year. He has 70 runs batted in, or 69 runs batted in at the time. He's hitting 310. He has an OPS of 1087. You have a base open. Why in the hell are you pitching to Jordan Alvarez? Alex Bregman is on deck. Alex Bregman was 0 for 4 in the game. He had struck out twice, and he's only hitting 240 on the season. Just look at the numbers. Why are you pitching to Jordan Alvarez? And what does Jordan Alvarez do? That's right. He lines a single, run scores, game over, and the Houston Astros win three to two. You know, and if you're Dusty Baker, you just got to go after the game is over. You just got to call Scott Service up and say thank you very much, because it's just that was just dumb baseball, dumb baseball. Luis Garcia is going to get the start for the Astros tonight. He's eight and six with a three eight one. Uh, of course, going up against. Uh, uh, Nate Aldi and uh, then the Mariners tonight. Uh, and, I, and I was wrong. They did announce a starter. It's Marco Gonzalez is going to get the start for Seattle tonight. He is 6-10, and 10, but he's got a 3-6-6 ERA. Uh, so, look, it didn't help the Mariners, obviously, uh, to lose that game. It's it's a game that, and, and again, Houston could have won it in the 11th inning. Who the hell knows? But there's still seven games over 500. But there's some chinks in the armor now. I mean, Houston took care of them pretty well in that series down there. And uh, they have lost six of the last ten. They're only a half a game ahead of Tampa for the second wild card spot. Cleveland is breathing down their necks. So are the White Sox. So are the Orioles. So are the Red Sox. Uh, and that's why this series coming up uh, this week against the New York Yankees is absolutely huge. Uh, the Mets keep going. They sweep the Miami Marlins. They win yesterday nine to three. Francisco Lindor three hits yesterday. Francisco Lindor in the three-game series over the weekend with the Marlins was 7-for-11. <laughs> have, have yourself a weekend. Uh, so the Mets, 
uh, hang on to their lead in the NL East. They are three games ahead of the Atlanta Braves. The Mets have now won six in a row. Uh, and now the Mets uh, have a three-game series starting with the lowly Washington Nationals starting tonight. Nationals have won just 35 games. The Washington Nationals right now are the worst team in baseball by a lot. I mean, the Oakland A's even have 39 wins, for God's sake. And the Mets, in the first two games of that series, Max Scherzer's going to start tonight. And then Jacob DeGrom is coming off the injured list to make his season debut on Tuesday night. Jacob DeGrom has looked really, really good uh, in his rehab. You know, and, and if he can stay healthy and he can pitch the way that Mac, uh, that uh, Jacob DeGrom knows how to pitch, the Mets, they are the team, to me, that could give the Los Angeles Dodgers a run for their money. With that pitching staff, with what Taiwan Walker does, and with Scherzer, and uh, uh, with, with DeGrom, I mean, that rotation is nasty. So uh, we'll see. I, I hope DeGrom can, you know, look, he's been as fragile as fragile can be. Uh, but uh, he will make his debut on Tuesday. The Braves hold serve yesterday. Uh, they beat the Diamondbacks one nothing. It was Austin Riley with a double off of Mark Melanson in the ninth inning to uh, win that game. Max Fried got the start. Uh, Kenley Jansen uh, ends up getting the win uh, as he pitched the ninth inning. But they only allowed four hits in this game. They are 21 games over 500 now. Are the Braves first time since 2019 they've been that far that far over 500? Uh, but for Riley, he became the 21st player with uh, 26 extra base hits in a month, and only one of six players since 1951 to do it. Who was one of the other ones? Uh, Rafi Devers did it. Hank Aaron did it. Pretty good company. Uh, the Braves have a two-game series with the Philadelphia Phillies starting on Tuesday. Um, and the Phillies have been red hot as well. They win again. Uh, they beat the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday 8-2. to two. Uh, The Phillies, nine and a half back in the uh, the East, but that doesn't really matter. But they have won five in a row. And the Phillies right now are in wild card position. They are the third wild card right now. I mean, that's one of those cases. I'll tell you what, you look at what they've done and what Atlanta, I mean, what they've done and what the uh, Toronto Blue Jays have done since firing their managers, and it makes their general manager look very smart by doing it. Not so much in, in, in Anaheim, perhaps, uh, but uh, since uh, Joe Girardi got fired in Philly, they have uh, taken off, and the same thing has happened uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays since they fired uh, Montoya. A uh, couple other quick notes. Tony Finau. Uh, wins his second straight PGA Tour event. He wins the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit yesterday. It was uh, his second straight victory on the tour, and it was the first time that somebody has done that in three years uh, in the regular season. Fourth career victory, third title in the last 11 months for Finau. And uh, Henrik Stenson, who left the PGA Tour to go to the uh, the LIV Tour, or the Live Tour, whatever you want to call it, uh, wins his debut event there, wins four, $4 million dollars. So and you know he got stripped of his Ryder Cup captaincy for the European team uh, to to join this uh, this rival tour, but you know what? Uh, he got a fifty million dollars signing bonus for joining it, and he won four million dollars for winning a tournament. And so at the end of the day, you know Henrik Stenson saying, "Be as pissed as you want. 
I have $54 million in the bank. <laughs> you know, kind of hard to argue with that. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. And on this rainy day here in Hayesville, North Carolina, here's a little credence. Have you ever seen the rain? We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.